Okay. Today, my guest is Professor Steve Werner. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Steve as a person. Professor Werner is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of his accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Steve Werner is J.P. Morgan Chase Chair Professor of IB at University of Houston. He's, his research focuses on various human resource management issues, particularly compensation and international HRM. He has published extensively in our top journals. He has authored, co-authored, or edited more than six books, 65 articles, and developed many international HRM, global management and compensation courses and course materials. He received many teaching, service, and research awards. He served the field as an editorial board member at Journal of Management Studies, Journal of Management, International Journal of HRM, Human Resource Management Review, Journal of Business Research, among others. Steve is also very active in AOM's HR division and served as executive committee member, task force chair, international scholarship committee chair, HR division conference program member, among others. Thank you, Steve, for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Uh, well, not exactly. You're in space, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a great. I am country. in Houston, home of NASA. So <laughs> perfect. So, uh, Steve, uh, what did you want to become when you were a child? I never really knew. When people asked me, I would say I like to travel. So I'd like to. I knew I wasn't going to be a uh, flight attendant or a pilot. So I said I'd probably be a manager of an airport, maybe. And that'll give me a lot of chances to travel. So my goal was always to see how could I travel for inexpensively. So uh, you're originally from Houston? I'm originally from Cal. Well, I was born in Toronto, Canada, and then moved to California when I was two. And so I grew up in California, got my PhD at Florida, and then uh, now from there went to Houston. I've been in Houston uh, 28 years. Perfect. How did you choose academia? Uh, I was always a good student and I went to, uh, I got an undergrad in mathematics and undergrad in computer science and then got an MBA and I was working all through college. Uh, but then I got a, my first real job was at the National Semiconductor in California. And I was there for about a year looking at my colleagues in their cubicles and it just hit me like, I, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I can't sit here in this cubicle and do spreadsheets. Um, and so I just reapplied at a number of schools and decided I was always good at, I was always good at school. And I thought it'd be kind of nice to be uh, academic, even though not really knowing anything about it. <laughs> and so I went and, uh, and got my PhD at University of Florida. Now did you choose international HR uh, or international business area uh, within academia? Yeah, that was, it was kind of, it chose me. I was uh, in the department of management. I got my PhD in HR really. And so I was really an HR guy, but I had a, co a colleague who became a friend, uh, Lance Brothers, who was getting his PhD. It was actually his second PhD at the time um, from the department of marketing there. And we just started working on a paper. He wanted to do a he had an idea for a paper, and I worked with him on it. And it was my first publication was in the Columbia Journal of World Business. And uh, I just kind of started working with him. And then later I started working with his, him and his brother. So you'll see Brothers Brothers Warner 
a lot and uh, working with them in the IB field, which was really uh, very interesting. But my heart was really in HR and was in compensation. And so eventually I had these two really distinct streams, which was FDI and IB and HR and compensation. And I just thought, I got to bring these together. And I started doing, uh, I edited a book about about, uh, HR in North America as part of uh, a series that uh, Susan Jackson and Randall Schuler, among others, were the editors on, asked me to be a book editor. And then they asked me to be a book editor for a a book on the Rutledge same series on global compensation. And so then I really started getting into international HR and and, uh, found that interesting. Perfect, thank you. Uh, something that is not on your CV that people might find interesting about you? Oh, gosh, probably nothing is interesting about me. I, um, for entertainment, I like playing pinball, which is an old-time <laughs> sport that very few people do. So uh, um, uh, that's my mental health break is I go play pinball somewhere. Oh, okay. Uh, do you have a machine at home? <laughs> I don't. Huh? No, I don't. But I, I have made friends with some colleagues like at Rice and so on who have machines. So there is a, like a pinball subculture out there that nobody knows about. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, <clears throat> if you stopped being an academic, uh, what would be the second best career path for you? Oh, boy, I, 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 don't, I, I love traveling. So it would be something maybe uh, a purchasing agent. I think there's buyers and sellers. I'm not a seller. I'm more of a buyer. So maybe a purchasing agent that has to travel a lot, something like that. Okay. Um, regrets. Have you got any regrets? Uh, no, not really. I, I guess. Yeah, no. I, I guess I'd just go back to the old uh, My Way song by Frank Sinatra. Regrets. I've had a few, but few too, to men- too few to mention. So, yeah, none, none, no major regrets. I think every every aspect has, has been a learning experience and has been, I, I wouldn't give any of it up. What are you most passionate about? Yeah. Um, there are some people that say that, that, that I'm not passionate enough about anything. So, <laughs> but I am passionate about, I do enjoy travel. I'm passionate about teaching. I'm passionate about um, doing good work and making sure that you're doing the right thing. Perfect. Now, uh, let's switch gears to research. Uh, let's say you're traveling and you're stranded in a small village uh, and the locals are curious about you, what you do for a living and uh, how do you explain the importance of your research or what you do? And uh, how do you explain it to people who are laymen? I just explained that we try to make managers better managers and companies better companies, and that we try to do well by increasing our knowledge and educating people how to uh, treat employees better, how to make their company more successful within the framework of, um, you know, doing doing things that benefit benefit employees benefit the company, benefit shareholders, benefit all stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So we try to make the world better through better management of and um, of companies that I think is very important, that I think as, as, as you get more economically sound, 
quality of life goes up in general, and then and that's what we achieve. When you teach these uh, courses, the ones that you teach on international HR compensation, uh, over time, did you see a difference in the student's body about how they approach your topics? It, it's interesting. We get students here kind of that are all over the board, that are very either diverse from international experiences or that have never left Houston in their entire lives. So one of the things that I'm quite um, proud of that I think I've helped achieve here is we're we're very have a substantial presence in the study abroad field and and uh, so over the years we do about four study abroad trips in, in my department a year and and take students all over the world um, when many of them have never gone outside of Texas and so. Uh, students just really see that frequently as a life-changing experience. So I've done uh, over 40 study abroad trips in my career. Um, and all the, that's probably one of the most satisfying um, aspects. But, but I really haven't seen great change where we get such a mix that that makes it still, still there. There's still people that haven't left Texas. Uh, these are two-week uh, long programs? Or? One week. One, yeah, one, one week, generally graduate. And so the graduate students can get a week off work and a, it's one week. Historically, perfect. we've done places like uh, Berlin, Germany, uh, Prague, Czech Republic, Hong Kong, um, Beijing or China, um, Chile, Santiago, Chile. Those are the most common places we go. Yeah. Interesting. About uh, omitted variables in IB research, things that have uh, received little attention, maybe we forgot about them, uh, underdeveloped areas, contexts, uh, topics, what would you say? Huh. I, I think the underdeveloped areas, either really big picture things or really small picture things. <laughs> it's When I think of big picture, I think of, you know, when we're looking at dif different across countries and we're looking at research across countries, and we see a research that's done all in China or all in South Korea or all in America or all in Germany, uh, or even if there's a few, it's like we kind of accept that we could transfer those, that knowledge. And I think, I think countries are very different and, and, and we don't do a good job of capturing differences among countries. You know, I mean, Hofstede and the culture is so big that that's really the only mechanism we have then to look at okay culture and that that is supposed to capture everything but i don't know i'd like to see when we look at across countries uh, controlling for religion controlling for different politics different infrastructure control just get more refined in in what are really the, the differences among countries that that cause some of the big differences we see uh, in, in in ib uh at least for your research area in international HR or compensation. Uh, over the next five to 10 years, what do you think are going to be the next big questions, uh, maybe fueled by the COVID uh, after the pandemic, the changing uh, dynamics? Yeah, certainly, certainly that's one. Um, I think we're going to see more refinement just in generally. So we have, you know, there's a good literature on global compensation. But there's almost nothing on on benefits, right? On global benefits and how they differ across countries and what are the, how they drive. Uh, so right now, I'm kind of trying to create some articles and and create an area 
that I'm really interested in is looking at benefits strategically. And of course, that would have a great implication at, for multinational companies and for global benefits. And so how can we, uh, I, I'd like that to be an area primarily because it's <laughs> what I'm interested in. But I think there'll be a lot of more refinement of things. I think even just in the way we model relationships. So one of the things that has struck me over the years is almost all our methods are linear and all we're always look at linear relationships yet if you actually look at any two things in the relationship is almost never linear there's always a diminishing returns or at some point the curve goes flat or uh, so i i just i'd like to see us get better at at actually predicting um, and getting those r squares higher through more innovation in in uh in methods and in better measures and so on uh do, do, you, do you write every day? Do you work every day? I definitely work every day. Um, maybe not some weekends, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely, even with COVID, I was in the office every day. I'm the department chair. So there's a lot of stuff going on there too. Um, but I do, uh, I do work every day and I, I enjoy it. I, I would miss it if I didn't work. I always say, I have a joke that I'll retire when they pry the chalk out of my cold dead hand. Uh, but then we stopped using chalk, so that doesn't work anymore, so. <laughs> yeah, in a state of uh, idle curiosity, you know, I'm talking about this creativity question, uh, uh, creativity in scholarship, how do people come up with interesting ideas? Where do these uh, great papers uh, come from? Uh, how do they come to you? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And in fact, this goes to, you know, opportunities and, and things that I would recommend to doctoral students, for example. There's a balance of everybody has an area they're interested in that, that maybe it's an extension of their dissertation. It's something they I just was always very interested in compensation. I found it very interesting. Um, but there's always going to be, especially if you network and you go out to the conferences and you talk to people you're going to find lots of interesting areas and lots of people that were working on different things. And so there's going to be opportunities uh, as a mentor, you, you work with students that are interested in some area that you may not have ever thought about. So I think there's a balance of kind of being opportunistic and finding, just finding things and having them land in your lap and focusing on an area that you're interested in. Once you're interested in an area, it's almost facilitates itself where you know every paper we have has future research to do this so we're ensuring our own you know continuation that that every question we answer raises two new ones so um i think in a way that's self-sustaining once you're in a nice niche area that that you find interesting there's just kind of no end to the questions that can be generated but but being open to being opportunistic and finding new areas i think that that can be fulfilling too Thank you. About the uh, evolving culture of IB scholarship over the over the years, uh, from your window, uh, how do you see the evolution uh, from where we were uh, at uh, and where, where are we headed to? Yeah, I, I find it an interesting evolution. I think it's probably just a kind of natural uh, the market at work, right? That where the market is scholars and and scholars can write on things they find interesting and then the reviewers are 
and the editors determine whether or not they deserve a space in our journals. And so it kind of evolves very naturally as to, um, you know, is something overstudied or not? I, I'm not sure. The market has spoken, right? And if if a paper is not interesting or doesn't contribute anything, it, it it's not going to make it to a top journal. So I think uh, I think it's evolved very very naturally, and I think uh, uh, I think it will continue to do so. Okay, about the advice portion for young scholars and um, junior faculty. Uh, What are some of the common mistakes that you see across the board that uh, young uh, colleagues usually make? And what's your advice for uh, for them? Um, I'd say some common ones is, uh, unfortunately, we're in a, in a world, if you're in a top research school or one that even aspires to be top research, you've got to focus the top journals. And so you can't spend a lot of time on books. You can't spend a lot of time on... Uh, just little articles that would make it to a littler journals or or more narrow journals, um, even conference papers are encouraged to get you, but but you shouldn't spend a lot of time on them. So I think um, I think spending a lot of time early on on things that are not going to help um, Your career is probably a mistake, even though and in some ways it's wrong, right? I, some of these little articles can be very important and useful and, and even practitioner journals can, you know, you probably have a bigger impact there than you would on an academic journal, but um, they're not valued by, by usually universities. And so you have to just be careful. I, I guess it would be to, to be aware of not only what your university values, but what the market itself values And as long as you tap into both of them to some extent, you'll be fine because if even the things don't work out at the university, you'll still be valued on the market. Mm-hmm. Well, that's for the junior and the young uh, young colleagues, right? Uh, early market. What about mid-market, uh, mid-career? Yeah, my, <laughs> I have a little bit different perspective as a, department chair, because I like them to contribute to the department and things that are beyond just the research. But um, in mid-market, I think in mid-market, you get your chance. You've now got tenure. You've got a chance to do stuff that really you're passionate about, that you really find exciting, and, and that you can do th- longitudinal studies that are going to take five years. You can do books that have no payoff other than they let you get really deep into an area you're very interested in. Um, and, and so I think, I feel like uh, at the mid-market is the time when you as an academic can spread your wings and you should, you should do what, what you really want to do and uh, become a professor in your own image of, of what you want to achieve. Okay. Uh, you were very efficient and we still have time, but I want to ask you, uh, uh, what's the question that I should have asked you about heaven? Um, maybe where I got this background, uh, <laughs> a friend, somebody I knew from NASA sent it to me and I thought it was really cool. So I used it. Uh, yeah, I, I just am, am grateful. I, I, I think we get into uh, the, the question may be, how can you, how can you be happy as an academic? And I think the be happy academic is just generally being happy as a person, right? You do what you love, 
you focus on the things that are uh, th that are interesting to you and that you're you're passionate about. You know, if you're if you don't see it as work, it's not work. Um, you're grateful to. I, I'm so grateful for all the co-authors I have. I'm so grateful to all the reviewers. I've had so many papers get better through the review process, and it's very. Uh, you don't get a lot of gratitude being a reviewer generally, um, but you learn from. Um, I've learned so much from co-authors, and they've been so helpful. And um, just be open, you know, to 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 having new experiences and to having taking opportunities, and and uh, just don't lose sight that I really think we're in the greatest job in the world. I mean, I, where else do you have the freedom? to do what you want. Um, I, I know that getting to the tenure level is stressful and, and can be difficult, uh, but gosh, the autonomy you have and the freedom to do things the way you want to do and research and learn um, and be surrounded by people that want to better themselves and are trying to get, get, get more educated and improve themselves. It's just a great, it's a great life. So. Perfect. Uh, thank you so much, Steve, uh, for this interview. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor to be part of this group.